Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Karthik, founder of Envision. And they discuss how Envision is combining deep learning software with Google Glass to help blind people see. Their strategy for getting this tech into the hands of as many people as possible, and how Karthik is motivated to build technology by the impact he can have on people's lives. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I'm excited to talk about the technology that you're building. What exactly have you built? So what we've built with Envision uh, is a smart class solution uh, that helps people with a visual impairment to live more independently using computer vision. So it's basically uh, the Envision glasses is the main sort of product. And it's a tool that helps a visually impaired person to read text from any printed surface, you know, be it a document, be it a computer screen, be it, uh, you know, like a Coca-Cola can, for example, in over 60 different languages from pretty much any font in order that you can think of, it can help them recognize faces of their friends and family. So you can teach it to recognize faces. You can also teach it objects around you. So you can recognize, it can recognize objects like your coffee mug and things like that. And apart from all the AI stuff, the glasses also allow you to make a video call directly from a friend, uh, you know, from the glasses to a friend or a family member. So, you know, when you're wearing the glasses, it's got a camera in there so that they see, uh, you know, the, the person on the other end of the video call sees your first person perspective, they get your audio, they get your video, and then the visually impaired glasses user gets the audio. So they can make video calls directly from the glasses as well. And the main idea is that you don't really have to hold a phone in your hand because when you have a phone, you also have a cane or a guide dog in the other hand and your hands aren't free anymore. You know, you're just pointing stuff around and it's an incredibly frustrating, cumbersome experience. And smart glasses really solve that problem of, of having your hands free and uh, being able to do things more easily. That's what we do. That's amazing. And why this? There's so many problems out in the world. Why solve this one? So it all started, you know, when uh, about six years ago, about six, seven years ago, six years ago, before deep learning and artificial intelligence is really the hot topic of the day today, uh, before all of that, before the very, very beginning, I was really into, uh, you know, machine learning uh, at a very early, you know, stage, simply because, you know, I had a lot of friends who worked at NVIDIA at that time who were really into deep learning. And uh, I was also doing some part-time work for them and consulting and things like that. So it really got to a point where uh, I was hearing about this from everyone around me and I started to slowly get into it myself. And it was at that moment around that time that I had a chance to go to a blind school in my hometown in India to talk to you know high school kids uh, who are just graduating. They're visually impaired. Uh, they've been in the school uh, all their life and they're just going out into the real world. And so one of my friends invited me there and she said, you know, just have a chat with them about what you do as a developer, you know, as a researcher, as a developer, what, what do you actually do? Right. And it was supposed to be a 30 minute conversation. I remember this so clearly. I remember going there, talking to these kids about what about a, being a developer or a designer. It's just, you know, it's just about solving problems. I wake up every day in the morning, I solve problems for a living, right? And I just volleyed a question back to the kids there in the in the audience about what it is, you know, for you know, what kind of problems would they like to solve when they step out of the classroom and go out into the real world, right? And 
a lot of them started talking about you know being able to do things more independently like a lot of them said they want to read a book independently they wanted to be able to go out independently make impromptu plans right like just if you see a nice sunny day they want to be able to step out go wherever they want to go entirely by themselves that whole 30 minute conversation snowballed into a 2 hour you know sort of a life changing experience for me talking to these kids and understanding how independence was something that sighted people took for granted so much and how for a lot of kids in that audience independence was such a priced thing that you know it was and especially in a country like india where there is not a lot of awareness around accessibility right it was a huge insurmountable obstacle for them and it was around that time that you know i also had a chance like i do have my co-founder who's also called karthik and he's a designer you know he's an industrial designer and uh, right after that conversation the two of us met and i was just talking to him about how there are many aspects of deep learning that were starting to become as good as humans or even better than humans in some instances for example ocr optical character recognition or being able to recognize text computers were really outperforming humans in in some areas there and i was talking about how we could actually take these advances combine that with really good design and see if we can build something that could help people with a visual impairment right and in the very beginning the two of us started working on this not with the aim of becoming a company that was never actually the aim you know i was in between jobs at that time i was going to get married so i just took a 6 month sabbatical and i thought this was a really interesting problem to work on and the idea was just make it into a project put it out into the world and uh, in and see how they and, and 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 just raise some awareness around this you know like try to showcase ai as a thing that can help people with disabilities or ai and accessibility could work together and so that's how the envision project started and i started working on it i very clearly remember on feb 2017 and the initial idea was that you know my co-founder who is you know he was studying industrial design in the netherlands so he 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 was here in the netherlands already and uh, he would do all the design and the user research part and i would do all the all the prototyping and actual building of it and so our aim was just create a simple prototype app throw in you know image captioning throw in uh, ocr and a few other things and then just you know showcase how ai can work really well for accessibility and so we started working on it and over a period of time over like 6 months we had around 400 500 people on our test flight beta who were just using the app using this really clunky prototype app that had like a like 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 a like a 40% crash rate you know and it was it was just you know like there was no framework or no software at that time like how there is today to deploy machine learning models on device so we had to build a lot of it from ha- by hand and i remember just spending a lot of time on it and working on it and and people absolutely loved it right it organically grew to 500 or people uh, and at the end of 6 months I still remember we ran out of funding from the university. I was a bit overdue on my credit card bill so I was like okay I'm going to wrap this thing down and uh, I still remember you know on a Friday evening I sat down and wrote out an email to all these 500 people thanking them you know for being a part of this project and saying hey we're going to shut this thing down it's been amazing you guys have you know shown that you know AI and accessibility could be a great fit and we're going to take all of this stuff we're going to try to put this out there and and try to showcase show the world that this is something really cool and i remember waking up the next morning was a weekend almost 
all of the 500 people like got back to me, like every single one of those people actually wrote to me and said, why are you guys shutting this down? I've been using this, you know, to do my schoolwork. I've been using this to, you know, read stuff. I've been using this to like, you know, operate my washing machine independently. And I've been able to do so many things around my, you know, in my life independently. It's just stupid that you guys are shutting it down. You know, like if you're serious about this stuff, you should actually build this as a company. Right. And it was at that point, that it actually struck us that, wait, you know, there's, there are people out there who really are benefiting from this kind of stuff. And if we're serious about this, and it's, it's, it's a huge passion for me to be able to build technology that can have impact on people. It's, it's, it's been this itch that, you know, I've had ever since I first encountered programming as a kid. And I finally have this opportunity to scratch that itch. And I just thought, yeah, screw it, let's do it. And uh, I moved from India all the way to the Netherlands to start the company. And uh, we've been doing it for like almost five years now, ever since. That's unbelievable. So how did you end up getting money for it to get started? So in the beginning, I had a bit of savings, you know, from my job back in India. So I, I, I took all that. I just got married back then. I was, I, I was barely ba- married for a month. So it's huge props to my wife for letting me actually do this because it's insane that someone would actually go on a whim from India to the Netherlands to start a company building what, uh, you know, accessibility AI it was all very new. But I wanted to just take a take a stab at it, right? So I moved to the Netherlands, and initially we got some additional funding from the university that kept us going. And I still remember uh, the first two months that I was here in the Netherlands, we worked really hard. I think seven days a week, you know, almost 12, 14 hours a day trying to complete the app. And our aim was to try and you know, uh, like you know, use the revenues from the app. So we made a we made the app a subscription model, and we started to charge users five euros per month for you know for using the app so that initial revenue that we were able to bootstrap ourselves uh, that kept us going and of course we also took a personal loan we were part of an incubator uh, in the netherlands and through the incubator we were able to take a loan from a bank and that kept us afloat you know that kept us going personally we didn't draw a salary for the first year year and a half i just took the personal loan and then you know used that for my day to day expenses here in the netherlands and bootstrapped our way in the initial couple of years. And then we raised a small seed fund, you know, seed round of funding and, and so on. But it was initially totally bootstrapped by people in the community, you know, people who just came to us and, and willingly gave us money for the things that we were, for, for the app that we were building. And that's how we kept us afloat. And where's the company at today? Well, the company is great. We have tens of thousands of people using the app. You know, in fact, we just made the app free. You know, it used to be a subscription-based app, but we've been able to really bring the technology to a point within the app where we can offer it for free. We now have the Envision glasses and uh, we're about 30 people right now, uh, 30 people from over 25 different nationalities. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey so far. I think you use like the Google Glass hardware, right? Yeah. At yeah. what point did you use that? Was it from day one or did you use something else at the first? Yeah, actually, we wanted to make Envision as a wearable from day one, because when we were doing our user research, right, there is actual scientific research to show that visually impaired people have better head control than they have hand control. And when we started talking about this idea, even as just a concept, every single person was like, this has to be a wearable, right? And in fact, uh, the earliest design of the Envision glasses was this AirPods-like design that you know my co-founder came up with. So completely unrealistic, but we just to imagine how it would you know be a wearable. So the idea was always to make it a wearable. 
But in 2016, 2017, wearables were like this really alien concept. It's still a very alien concept, you know. I mean, a lot of people, wearables aren't like some things that we use day to day. Like, you know, smart glasses are still kind of science fiction-y stuff. But back then, when we found smart glasses, uh, there were two problems. One, they were too stigmatizing. A lot of visually impaired people felt in the early days that why would I want to wear like a, a 500 gram headset on my face and make myself look like a Robocop, right? Like, like that's the kind of smart glasses that were there. Or if they were, if the smart glasses look good, they weren't really powerful enough to run our software. So we had to try and find like a middle ground, right? Something that wasn't stigmatizing, but still was powerful enough. And so we just you know, bided our time and try to keep ourselves afloat with the app and with the funding and all those things until we could try to get to a point where smart glasses were really good enough to put our software on. And that's when the Google Play Award happened. So we won the Google Play Award in 2019 for the best accessibility experience. And that's when I had a chance to go to Mountain View headquarters you know, at, at Google. And I remember taking my award to Google I.O. and then just really exploiting the hell out of it, trying to get myself in, in the front of every single Google AR, VR person with the same pitch. Like, hey, we've got this tech. It's won this play award. People really want to put this on smart classes. If there's something that you guys have in the works, please tell me about it. We'd love to you know, do something with it, right? And I remember having like, I was there for a week and I remember having like 20 meetings or something, just packing my day, trying to meet whoever would listen to me. And at some point, you know, I spoke to someone higher up in the AR, VR, you know, uh, food chain at Google. And they said, okay, we're actually working on a new version of the Google Glass, the device that everybody loves to hate. But then we're not going to make it for consumers. We're going to make it for enterprises. So we're going to make it such that, you know, it would be helpful for someone uh, like a DHL that has a huge warehouse and people could wear this stuff, scan barcodes. But since you guys are super passionate about wanting to build this for visually impaired people, we think it's a cool idea. And they gave me, they made me sign a bunch of NDAs, you know, right there. And then they said, okay, take these two Google glasses with you uh, back to the Netherlands. Don't pay us for it. Just take it, do whatever you want to do with it. And if it's good enough, let me know. And I remember on that flight, just, you know, coming back, uh, I was reading all the developer documentation on the flight itself. And I came back to the Netherlands. The moment I landed, I just took the glasses out, started putting the Envision Android app on the Google Glass and uh, making some tweaks to the uh, to the underlying uh, software itself, because the Google Glass doesn't come with accessibility software. It's just stock Android. So we had to build the accessibility layer and all those things. So I, we started working on it. And I remember somewhere around December 2019 that I just, you know, gi remember giving a pair of Envision glasses to a visually impaired person who had come to the office and uh, didn't want to give it back to me. So that's when I knew we had something, you know, something solid, right? And uh, that's how the Envision glasses started, basically. That's amazing. That's so cool. Tell me, I want to walk through some of the features. What do they do? So the thing that it's most used for is to read text. That's one of the most like revelatory things for me as a sighted person, because when you think about it, like every single thing around you is text, like the UI on your phone screen, on your computer screen, the stuff that you see around you, the products, every single piece of you know thing, information out there in the visual world is text. And I realized how important it is for people to be able to read text from any printed surface possible. Like it could be a curved surface, like a Coke can or a water bottle, right? Uh, so we started to focus 
on building computer vision tech that could really read pretty much any printed surface or any kind of text possible, regardless of the font, regardless of it. So that's what the Envision Glasses does really, really well. So if you are someone who is uh, trying to read a handwritten document, like, you know, if you have cursive handwriting, we put a lot of effort into, you know, making the AI really good at reading cursive handwriting, or if you are reading, you know, stuff from a, a curved surface, you know, or if you're trying to read a multi-language document. So the glasses really are really good at reading text. And that's what people mostly use it for. Like, you know, almost 80% of our users or 80% of the glasses usage is focused on reading text. And with reading text, there are two parts. One is being able to scan a piece of text, uh, you know, correctly. And the second thing is understanding the layout of the text itself. Because if you're a sighted person and you're wearing a glasses that have cameras on them, right, you can know more or less where to hold the document and take a picture. But if you are a, someone who's visually impaired and you have no concept of, of sight ever since you were born, right? How do you really guide them to take the a best possible picture with the glass, right? So we focused a lot on building AI that guides a user on how to take a picture of a document and automatically capture it for them when the document or the book is fully in frame. The second thing is documents or any piece of text has a lot to do with the layout of the information. Like, for example, if you're reading a magazine article, right? A magazine article or newspaper article has columns in them. Now, if you just pass that particular image to a regular OCR engine, it just reads everything from left to right. It has no concept of what is a column, right? What's a magazine article? What's a newspaper article? What's a table? So we had to build a lot of intelligence into recognizing the layout of a document and reading it in the exact manner as intended, right? So if you're reading a magazine article, the OCR engine should understand that it contains columns. So it needs to read the columns correctly instead of reading it just left to right. If you're reading a letter, which just does, which doesn't contain columns and it's just regular text, it needs to read it out in the correct fashion. So Reading text is one big aspect of it. The second thing is recognizing faces. So we had to figure out a way to allow users to teach faces of their friends or family members with the glasses. So once you teach the glasses that, okay, this is Joel, anytime you're in the frame, it can speak, you know, your, your, your name. It can also, uh, we're also working on a feature where it can tell you like how far you are and so on. Like, right. So recognizing faces is one thing. Recognizing objects is also another aspect of it because there are so many objects in your everyday life that visually impaired people use so we worked a lot on improving the object recognition capability of it and so that is another aspect and the last part is the video calling feature and that is that was actually the most surprising thing because when we built the video calling feature we thought okay people already use facetime they use whatsapp like what's the whole like i mean we thought people would like using this but uh, so far, ever since October 2020, when we shipped the first pair of glasses, this date, like June 2022, there have been more than 70,000 minutes of video calling that happened through the glasses. So people absolutely love this feature. They make video calls every single day from the glasses. That's when we realized how crucial this whole hands-free thing was because people use it to, like, for example help them fill out their tax forms. You know, they call a friend or a family member and, and help fill out forms online. Or if they're trying to go ahead and uh, cook something, right? They call a friend or a family member and just ask them questions on, oh, am I adding the right amount of salt? Or can you read out this, uh, this thing to me? And wherever the AI cannot really help or wherever the AI fails, uh, humans can step in and fill in the gap. And so that's what it is. And of course, there are other features as well. Like you can recognize currency with the glasses. You can detect the amount of light in the room. You can go ahead and detect colors. So there are all these other things, but 
primarily focused on reading, recognizing faces, objects, and the video calling. That is so amazing, man. This is exciting. I know I'm saying a lot of words that are like positive, but it's just, it takes some time for it all to sink in. Like as you're talking about the amount of light in a room, right? Yeah. We don't think about, you know, being able to detect that on a daily basis to like live our lives. Yeah. It's so true because, you know, you, you walk into a room and then you know, like, okay, you know, I turned on the light in this room or, you know, I've turned off the light in this room. You could, you can sense that so easily, but for someone who is again, you know, and especially for a lot of people, a lot of young visually impaired people, you know, they want to get out of their homes. They want to live independently. And all of these really simple things are like a huge factor in, in making them feel more independent. Like if you can tell for yourself or know for yourself, if you've turned off the light in a room or turned it on or if you can read the mail that you're getting from the municipality the government or you know if you could go ahead and read or like know if if a particular object is there in front of you like if you've left your white cane on the table or if it's on the floor or if you're looking at your particular yellow coffee mug or your you know whatever it is right so all these small things are the ones that seem very easy for someone with a visual imp- uh, uh, with sight but then for a with the uh, for a person with a visual impairment it's more like wow okay i i've never been able to do these things but now i can do them with artificial intelligence yeah i was watching one of the youtube videos that a reviewer was you know reviewing the product and they pressed a button to like find their laptop and they scanned around the room and it you know started beeping at them when they were looking at their laptop and I thought wow that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. How many blind people are there in the world, do you know? There are about 380 million visually impaired people in the world so they have they're people with like some form of non-correctable visual impairment. Uh, but if you look at people who have the entire spectrum of people who are visually impaired or people with some kind of visual disability, that's around 700 million people, potential people. So that also includes, for example, people with like dyslexia, aphasia, and all these other kind of you know visual disabilities that are not exactly related to visual impairment. But then our technology or artificial intelligence in general or computer vision can really help those people uh, as well. Do you have any ability in a similar neighborhood as seeing light in the room? Do you have any ability to read the emotions on other people's faces? I've seen some of the AI models doing that. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we know we can do, but we just don't want to do it because it's a very tricky place to be in. A lot of people uh, come to us and tell us, oh, I would li- love to be uh, able to tell the the emotion on someone's face. And we experimented a lot with th- those kind of things in the early days. And my opinion of those kind of things is, you know, it's not there yet. You know, it's really not there yet. And we try to focus on the problems that we can solve really, really well and that are really important for people. And then I know some of the things like, for example, there are some AI models out there that claim to tell the age of a person. That's like the absolute worst kind of a use case for for computer vision because it's it's impossible. Like I today, today I might look like I'm I'm 35, and tomorrow if I you know lose a, a ton of weight, I might and I shave my beard, I might look like 25, and it doesn't really help a visually impaired person at all. So we try to steer away from models or uh, from tech that doesn't really you know like that's not there yet, and so we just say okay, no, we don't want to do this. But yes, I'm totally aware of emotion recognition and and all those things. Yeah. What's the layout detection feature? So the layout detection feature is basically the feature that where given a document, it tells you 
if a document contains headings, if it, it contains columns. And we're also going to be extending this to work with tables, you know, because again, for someone to be able to read their own account statement without, you know, somebody else stepping in to help them, even if it's like a friend or a family member, it's it's your private life at the end of the day, right? And if you're trying to read like a blood report or something like that, you should be able to do that independently and being able to recognize tables, regardless of whether they have borders or borderless, it could be any kind of table. That's something that we are working on. And my hope is that in the near future, we would be able to provide all text to images that are there in printed documents as well. Because, for example, you're trying to read like a like a magazine article and it has a picture of a person wearing glasses. Now, that information is something that, you know, uh, you can't add an alt text to. You can write a caption there, but how many people actually write a caption, uh, uh, you know, for a, a printed, you know, for an image in a printed document? You can do that for an image on Twitter or Facebook. You can provide alt text, but for printed documents, you can't, right? Similarly, we're working on interpreting mathematical equations and graphs. You know, it, it's something, again, that, you know, a lot of kids who are visually impaired in school, you know, especially with the whole COVID situation, they started to get these PDFs. But PDFs are some of the least accessible documents that are out there. Most people, when they make a PDF of a book, they make something called an image PDF. And an image PDF is just nothing but a PDF document that has an image in them. And it doesn't have any kind of alt text. It has no semantic structure, right? So that makes it really hard for kids, especially who are wanting to, you know, like interpret a mathematical graph or an equation. Uh, they can't help. They can't do that. So we're, we're working on tech that can also interpret math equations and mathematical graphs and at least give them some basic context, you know, that okay, this is a math equation and that's a, this is what the equation says, or this is a graph and this is sloping upwards and trying to give them some context to what uh, they see. That's that's what layout detection is, you know, just trying to add more intelligence to documents and, and books in general. Yeah. Where do you see these glasses in 10 years? I just strongly believe that smart glasses are going to be the next wave of computing. It's something that I hope to see come to fruition. And at that point, Envision Glasses is going to be hopefully the most popular solution on smart glasses uh, for people uh, with any kind of visual disability, right? Our, so we're today starting off with people who are having visual impairment, like non-corrective uh, visual impairment that can't be corrected. But my hope is that we can take this tech and also help people with dyslexia, with aphasia. We're already starting early research in that area right now. We have some testing going on to expand our tech to work with people with other disabilities, visual disabilities. And uh, I hope that we're able to get the glasses, the tech into the hands of almost every single visually impaired person, regardless of their background, their country, their economic situation. Just trying to get this tech out into the hands of as many people as possible. Do you ever think that it will connect at all with like the brain-computer interfaces? I hope so. I hope. Or is that too far off? Maybe it's it's too maybe it's not maybe in the next ten years. I, I, I it's hard to say. And I, and I think there's so many cool things going on in this space. But I hope that we can reduce the the level of latency that's currently there right now with wearing your glasses and and looking at the camera you know pointing the camera in the right direction getting the audio and the out you know getting the output in audio format and if we could just you know reduce that latency with some kind of a brain computer interface that would be that would be amazing but 
I think that's probably like stuff of sci-fi probably in the future. But I hope that smart classes, at least in the next five years, become better, more powerful. And we can try to take this tech and put that on as many type of glasses as possible. Yes, absolutely. Do you have competitors? Like, are there other people doing this? Yeah, we do have one competitor. It's an Israeli uh, company called Orcam. The primary way we differ from from Orcam is that Orcam makes hardware and software. They basically make a mini computer that can stick to, you know, regular uh, reading glasses. And that does some of the things that we do. Uh, Like, for example, it primarily focuses also on reading and uh, recognizing faces. So these are the two things that it can do. And the software runs completely offline. The approach that we took is very, you know, different in the sense we wanted from the beginning to only be a software company. We didn't want to go into the hardware space at all. Again, driven primarily by our belief that smart classes will be more prevalent in the future. So, you know, we would rather be building the software for it rather than working on the hardware and seeing ourselves becoming obsolete in like five years time. So we took a software first approach and our glasses software is also platform agnostic. It's running on Android, but every single piece of code that we've written is completely platform agnostic. In a sense, we primarily use C++ for all the computer vision stuff that we do. So we can always port any of that, all of that stuff onto a new platform whenever that becomes possible. And we also look at the Envision glasses as a super app. You know, we are, we are in talks with other accessibility companies and we're also get and we're providing them SDKs of the Envision classes so that they can put their applications that are really popular in the accessibility and the visually impaired community to also come on the Envision classes platform. So when someone buys a pair of Envision glasses, they don't just get Envision software, they also get some of the other their other favorite apps also on the Envision glasses as well. So it becomes something like a super app, right? Like something like a like a line or all those other types of apps where you have like multiple apps that you can pick and choose from and making it more like an app store, play store kind of a model. So that's the approach that we've taken versus trying to build our own hardware. It has its trade-offs, it has its pluses, but we've also, you know, has its minuses as well. Yeah. No, it's smart though. And I call it the infrastructure play where like, Mm. you know how Stripe, you become part of someone's business. And so if you get these other technologies to start building apps on top of yours, that just makes yours more resilient. Hey, how do you make money if you don't do subscriptions anymore? So primarily one by keeping the cost, uh, the operational cost of the app really low and, and relying on the glasses as the main source of revenue. So right now we sell the glasses as like, you know, you, people go on the on the website and, and they can buy our glasses for $2,500. And we also are covered by insurance in a lot of states in the US. There's possibility to apply for funding and subsidies uh, in Europe and UK and all these different places. So glasses is the primary sort of, you know, revenue generation model for the, for the, uh, for the company right now. And the app is more of a, a way for people to sort of get accustomed to the Envision uh, ecosystem as a whole, right? It's it's more like a lead generation tool for us at this point. And also it's sort of part of my core belief that 
yes, it, we are a company. We, we have to go out there and make revenue to be able to build more of the things that we want to build. But whenever there's an opportunity to go ahead and like offer this tech to as many people as possible, because I know that something like $2,500 might be really expensive for like an average Indian, for example, or any of those kids who are studying, uh, who are part of that high school that I went to and initially, initially spoke, right? Like those guys can't really afford the $2,500 price tag of the glasses right now. And for those people, the app is completely free so they can just use it even on their $50 Android smartphone, right? And we put a lot of effort into making sure that the app is available on as many devices as possible. In fact, anyone having an Android a device that runs Android 6 and above, which I believe came out like seven, eight years ago, I don't know, but like even those people can use the Envision app. So it's about just making the tech more accessible. Yeah. Can Apple users use it? Yeah, it's available on iOS uh, and Android. And we're also working on a desktop version as well. Yeah. So I can download this for free right now? Yeah, you can download it for free right now. Yeah, you can just go to the Play Store or the App Store, install the app on your phone, and then just start using it. What do you type in for the name of the app when you're searching? Uh, You just search for Envision AI, then it lands you directly on the app itself. You can search for it on the Play Store or the App Store install it, and then uh, you can start using it. That's amazing. All right, well, I'm going to install it and play with it this afternoon. We're leaving in about an hour to travel down to Florida. We're going to go back and visit some family. And I think it'll be fun to play with this and show the kids. And yeah, so thank you for giving me an activity this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like we've, we just wanted to ensure that the tech is is there in, in as many hands as possible at the end of the day. And I think the app is a great platform to reach uh, a lot of people right now and hopefully you know with the glasses taking off we'll be able to go you know continue the development of the app for many many more years to come hopefully thank you so much for listening and if you found this episode useful please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it and if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast either add me on linkedin or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.